0: Mrs. Nelson, I'm so pleased with you and your husband being here. Your mother was Elsie Gustafson, is that right? She was in the Fourth Baptist youth work when I was the first youth pastor the Fourth Baptist ever had. And that group has done something very unusual. Two or three of the, the ladies got together. They used to be girls now they're ladies. And they uh, decided that they were going to get the old gang back together. We had our first rally two or three years ago. A hundred and six people gave from came from sixteen states just to be in the Fourth Baptist Youth program that we held during those nine years I was in that church. Then we had a program, another one, a couple of years. A hundred and twenty people showed up. Then I went back last July, I was in the cities and And they had a picnic just with the people around there, and 62 of them showed up. And I looked at them. Boy, they sure got old. And then next July, they're going to have another reunion, and it looks like we're going to have 140 for the banquet. Can you imagine that? And I wrote a play years ago, an old melodrama, wrote the music and everything else to it, and we're going to put that on with those old folks it, it really is something I'm looking forward to it. It shows you what God can do, and I'm so glad for you in this area Just think this man has a Has a burden his wife and family a burden for this area I don't know anywhere in the United States where a facility like this is available in an area like this I think you ought to be thankful to God and I know the way you're talking the way you're working you're going to bring a lot of people in, and you're going to have to kick out these walls pretty soon and put some new space down there. But this gives us more of an opportunity to to pray for you. As I look into your faces, I'll remember your faces. You know, I do remember faces, but I don't remember names. And uh, one lady came to me one time. I had a meeting in 1946 in St. Cloud, Minnesota. I don't know how many got saved, but the tremendous revival took place. And I went to the door at Beth Eden to greet the people as they came out. And the lady came and she had four children. She said, do you remember me? Well, how in the world am I going to remember? I said, no, I'm sorry. I don't remember you. Well, she said, you preached in St. Cloud, Minnesota, 1945-46. I said, yes, I did. She said, I was one of the young women that got saved at that time. So you never know. God takes whatever we want to do when we give the word of God and he uses it. Sometimes it takes years for the results. And that kind of gets your patience going. But tonight I thought I would just share with you from First John 3. Three very special verses. First John 3. It's been wonderful to be with the pastor. He took us out to dinner last night. And I got home in time to go to bed. Gives a ten-dollar tour of Milwaukee. This is quite a town. I've never been in the, in the town itself. And he told us about the outstanding parts of this town. Then today he took us out to dinner. You know, I've been eating so much, I'm getting fed up. Now that you've got First John three, let me read the first three verses. Even as he is pure, this these three verses deal with three historical positions. You have the past, you have the position, the privilege of the future, and then you have the provision of the present. Now I want to take those three words. The position of the past is marked by a condition which says behold what manner of love the father has bestowed upon us. Just think You're here tonight, and you believe you're saved by the grace of God for which I'm grateful. I'm here tonight. The pastor's here We're saved by the grace of God. How did it happen? God bestowed his love on us. He didn't have to do it He didn't have to do it at all He could have just said you made a mistake go on, but no he bestowed his love on us as individuals and you accepted that gift of grace through salvation and you became a child of God oh it's hard to understand Jesus or rather John tells us that God's character is marked by his love but you know God is also holy and God looks at our sins and he has to judge our sins And the judgment I haven't time to go through with them. But by his love, he has quickened us through his grace. When we believe what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross and rose from the dead. So there's a condition. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. I've dealt with a lot of, of people. When I was in Arizona, I used to get calls from the sheriff because they didn't have juvenile halls in those days for delinquent young people and he'd call me and he'd say pastor if you can come down to the jail we've got a young man down here this in this instance he's 12 years old and uh, I had a um, deal with the Greyhound bus depot that if I found one of these young people I could send them home for half fare one way. They're wonderful people to deal with, that Greyhound bus uh, group. So I went down to the jail on this day, and the sheriff was a good friend of mine. We went up the steps into a separate section where they housed the young people. There was nobody there but this one boy, 12 years old. I went into that cell. I'll never forget, I've never forgotten over it. When that door banged and clanked, there's something that it does something to you. And I sat down with him and I asked him his name and he told me. I said, where are you from? He told me from Oklahoma. I said, why are you here? He said, the police picked me up for hitchhiking. Well, I said, I know that's not the right thing to do. You could get into trouble too if the police didn't pick you up somebody might take advantage of you you might even get killed and I said "Uh, I'd like to send you home I think I can do that oh he said it won't make it doesn't count I said why not he said they don't want me I said give me your telephone number so he gave me his home number and I went back to the office and I dialed it and the lady answered and I said Mrs. So and so your 12 year old son is down here in Tucson and I'm Pastor Madison and I want to send him home today. And I couldn't believe what I heard. She says, forget it. She said, we don't want him. You know, there was no love at all for that boy and yet they brought that boy into the world. I went back and I said to him, son, your parents don't want you. He said, I told you. I had the joy of leading him to the Lord. I've never seen him since. But I had to take him out of the city and drop him. I gave him the money that I would have given for the bus. Gave him the money and I said, that's all I can do for you. There were no places for the boy. There was nothing. And I said to him, but I want you to know that you've accepted Christ and God loves you deeply. And I said, you need to get back into a place where you can be used of God. What manner of love The Father hath bestowed upon us. Just think of that. Your love. You might not have a family here that loves you. I never saw my dad kiss my mother once. And yet we got along. And I wondered if there was any love there. Found out later there wasn't too much. But no matter what happens in the family. No matter what happens in your life. If you know the Savior. God hath bestowed his love on you. You don't deserve it. I don't, but he, does. he has done it. Now, the second thing this says, that we should be called the sons of God. Now, that word called means we should be titled. In other words, it means that if you want to go down the street and put a sign on your chest, I am a son of God, you can do that. That's what that says. Of course, the people in the world today would think you're nuts. They do that. I was in a political meeting one time, not too long ago, and one of the men that's now running for political office stood up and he said, "I'd like to ask Pastor Madison the question." So I stood. He said, "Will you tell me who the religious right are?" See you you're the religious right. Well, we've been kicked around with that word for so long by the media that you know sometimes I get mad, and that takes a long time when the Swede gets mad, and it starts the steam goes out, you can smell coffee boiling. And I, uh, I, I got up and I looked at him and I said, "Jim." You're looking at him. He said, you're religious, right? I said, yes. I said, the religious right have got two documents. The Bible, teach how to live and know God. And the second is the Constitution of the United States. We believe it and we want it to be implemented. Then I said, I'm religious and I'm right. And the chairman of the meeting was unsaved. He came to me afterwards. He said, that's the best answer I've ever heard. So when anybody says you're religious, right? Yeah, you says, sure. Sure. Don't back off. Just say, I'm religious. Stand up straight and look them straight in the face. Say, I'm religious and I'm right. They don't know how to answer that. They, they don't understand me. I'm right. Because that means they're wrong. You see? God says, you are the son of God. You're my son. You're my child. We know God. That's unbelievable. Have you ever sat down that little book I have out there on worship? I don't think 95 out of 100 people know how to worship God. I'm no critic, but I just wrote that thing after a considerable study. And if you know to worship, R.A. Torrey, one of the greatest evangelists, said he never became effective for God in his evangelism until he knew how to worship God. Now, we can worship God. And when we get to worship God, we wonder all of the greatness. Just think, you are a child of God. I don't know how that makes you feel. It should humble you first, but secondly, it should give to you a sense of confidence no matter what the circumstance is. You are a child of God. You know, sometimes a child has to get spanked. And God has to do that to get us straightened out. It's like the little kid. One time his dad was old-fashioned and he had done something wrong, so his dad took him out to the old woodshed, put him on his lap, Grabbed a slat and was going about ready to apply the Board of Education to the seat of learning. And he, the little guy looked up and says, Dad, can I ask a question? He said, yeah. He said, did Grandpa spank you when you were a little kid like this? He said, he sure did. He said, did great-grandpa spank Grandpa? He said, he sure did. Did great-great-great-grandpa spank great-great-grandpa? He said, he sure did. Now, he said, this has got to stop. He said, why are you asking this? Well, he said, do you think that, you over, that with my help you could overcome this inherited rowdyism? Now, God has sometimes to deal with us firmly. But if you read the 13th chapter of the book of Hebrews, he does it because he loves us. See? And it's not a nice thing to get in the hands of God but he loves us. Now the next, next thing he says is marked by a consequence therefore the world knows us not because they knew him not. They don't know what makes you tick. I was on a concert circuit when I had my evangelism through the Midwest. I think that I don't know how many schools I wrote a fight song for and many of them still use those fight songs that I wrote and I put that in my program And I used the spirituals. I tried to preach, but they wouldn't listen to me. And so I preached through the spirituals because they're very spiritual songs. And they stress. And I I do that. One day I was in a, a big high school in Minneapolis. And they pulled the curtains. And there I was sitting at the grand piano. It was on big wheels like that. And my first song was usually Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. Now, if you know anything about that, you've got to hit the piano. And I was hitting that piano, and it started walking away from me. It was on those greased wheels. And the kids were looking, saying, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? I stuck my leg up and pulled the piano back, and that's how I sang the rest of the concert. <laughs> Hanging on there. But afterwards was the most interesting thing. I had studied voice. My voice teacher wanted me to quit the ministry and go into uh, a voice and take a... Um, an audition at WCCO which was the top radio station in the area and I said no I can't he said why not he said because I I said because I, I've entered the ministry and I'm not going to go back he said you're crazy you're nuts now those kids say the same thing they came to me after it was about six or eight of them and they stood there and they said Mr. Madison why in the world are you doing this when you could be getting lots of money singing? I had the joy of telling them about the Lord and how Christ, when he does that, we are the sons of God and the world doesn't understand why you do what you do. They don't understand why you go to church. They don't understand why you tithe. You give your 10% the Lord. Like the preacher was telling about the 10th Giving the tenth, and then when he got finished, he said, no, nah, I'd like to have a response. How many of you are going to give a tenth to the Lord? One after another got up responding, and one little lady in the back got up. She said, I'm so excited about giving one tenth. I'm going to double it and give one twentieth. Now, if you haven't had fourth grade math, you can't get that. But you see, the world does not understand us anytime. time. I work in political circles. I have for years. I've had the joy of leading a number of these men to Christ And I'm not bragging about it. I'm just saying it's because I was there And they don't understand How I can be what I am a fundamentalist Baptist preacher and be what I am And I just tell them It's because I am what I am Every morning Monday morning when I get in town I go to the breakfast at 7 o'clock They always ask me to pray for the food. I usually figure out about a two-minute sermonette on how to get saved. And things like that. Thanking God for all his benefits. And you know they like it? Norm Allen, who was the county clerk for years, 20 years, was there. And they had these other guys pray, but those other guys don't know how to pray. They give poems and all the rest of that stuff. And I was—I had prayed that morning, and I heard him say to his friends, and "I've been trying to win this man to Christ for ten years." He said, "Ah," he said, "that's real praying." Well, of course, it has a message. So God does—they don't understand us now. What about the future? Now, notice what he says, in verse two: "Beloved, now are we the sons of God." That's tacked down. You don't—that'll never change. And it does not even appear what we shall be. Aren't you glad for that? you're going to be different I'm going to be different Oh, that's going to be wonderful God has a surprise party in store for you doesn't appear what we shall be but we know now the word that's used there means we know uh, I was gonna say technically technically but that's not the word it means we know definitely that When he shall appear. Do you know that Jesus is coming back? I don't know when, but boy, the way the world's going right now. I just finished a prophecy conference in Mansfield, Ohio. And the way the world is going right now, I don't know how long he can stay away. But I I hope he stays long enough away so he can get that new church up with a lot more people to Christ. We know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. What was he like? Well, they went. They were having a little bit of a lunch, a talking session, and suddenly Jesus appeared. He didn't come in the door. He came through the wall or the roof, and he stood there in a body that they could touch. Thomas did. Wouldn't you like to do that? You try that right now and run up against that wall, you know what's going to happen? You're going to apologize for, to yourself for being so dumb. He ate. He ate fish and bread. Oh, I'm glad. A fellow said to me last week, he said, Do you think we'll eat in heaven? I said, I'm sure we will because God's got a tree up there. that has got 12 different kinds of fruit on it. And he said, Oh, I'm glad. He didn't want to give up his eating. Dr. Oscar Johnson was a friend of mine from St. Louis. He was a big man. He wasn't heavy, he wasn't fat, and he was a big man. And if some of you older folks remember that when you were on a train, you wanted to go to the dining car. There was a very narrow passage that went along, then you made a turn, and then into the dining car. Oscar Johnson got in this passage, and as he turned the corner, he met a man that had a big stomach. And they stood there, and they couldn't get by each other. And they started laughing. And Oscar backed up, and he said, you know, before I do this, I want to say there's one difference. I'm carrying mine, and you're pushing yours. <laughs> Can you imagine that? That's what he said. Oh, I want to tell you, dear friends, we get to be, when, when the Lord comes, we'll be like him. People who don't have any sight. And I have a dear lady in that Mansfield church. We call her Beautiful Bessie. She can't see. And when she gave me a hug before I left I said to her, Bessie, maybe the next time I'll meet you, you'll be able to see. And I said, I hope it won't be a shock. (laughs) What we shall be. Oh, but when he shall appear we shall be like him. Why? We shall see him as he is right now. Oh, there are a lot of people saw him. The new believer, the believers saw him after his resurrection, in his resurrection body. The two Marys saw him. The two people on the Emmaus Road, Mr. and Mrs. Cleopas probably saw him. Thomas saw him, and even Jesus said, Touch me, see that I'm real. Thomas saw him. Paul said that five hundred brethren saw Jesus at one time. And he said the greater proportion of these are alive today they know what jesus christ was like and they try to tell us in the bible i'm so grateful i don't know what he looks like but i know that he is alive today and he's in heaven interceding for me and you read the first two chapters of the book of job you'll find out why he has to intercede the devil is after you the devil is not interested in your spiritual welfare He wants to ruin you if he can. And I want to tell you, when Jesus is interceding and you're in tune with him, you don't have to worry about that. You can stand up against all the fiery darts of the evil one. Thank God for that. Someday, I shall be like him. Someday, you will be like him. Oh, I don't know how I can ever think of that. Over my ministry of 60 years, I suppose I've had hundreds of funerals. And I've laid aside some very dear friends of mine. I've been with them when they've gone home to be with the Lord. I'm going to meet them again. <laughs> I can hardly wait. I don't want to go now, you understand. I'm having too much fun. That's going to be great. I've got friends over there right now that I've known for years and years. Now, if you have this hope in you, verse 3 tells you about it's effect. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. If you believe that Jesus Christ is coming back, then you will have a pure life. That's awful hard. James said we want to have our garments unspotted by the world. It's awful hard to live a life, but with the help of This is wonderful. I am like him. God says if that takes place, there's a reformation takes place. You purify yourself. That's not purification from sin. You understand that. Because only God can purify you from sin. It is a purification of your outward life. If there are habits, if there are attitudes, if there are these things that are evident in my life and your life, we've got to get rid of them. Purify ourselves even as Christ is pure One of these days he's coming. Oh, I can hardly wait The thing that shocked my family into turning to God Was the death of a -a two-and-a-half year old brother I'll never forget that as long as I live as I watched that little boy The mother said to me go get the doctor And I ran in the darkness stumble over stones and when I got the doctor and he came back, it was too late. Ralph had gone home to be with Jesus. And before he died, he said as he looked up, Mama, going up, going up, that made an impact on my life. And it made an impact on my family, my mother especially. And I thought one of these days in Winnipeg, Canada, that little grave is going to be opened. And... <laughs> Ralph was going to come out. I don't know what he's going to be like, but if he's like the Lord, he and I'll know each other. Years ago, Ernest Shackleton tried to uh, take a group to, I think it was the South Pole. And in going there, he suddenly got marooned. And he had to leave part of his group on what is called Elephant Island he left them enough provisions he left them everything he had and he pulled out with his ship and he said I'm going for supplies and I want to come back I'll come back for you and it was a very interesting situation the ice was together but there were times when the tide changed and the winds came the ice parted and it was only at that time that you could get a longboat in there And Pick up these men and you'd have to be out in a very few minutes Well, he came back after quite an absence And he put the longboat in on one of these occasions a couple of them and they took those fellows in in just a, a few minutes They were out in the open water and were taken aboard ship He said gentlemen as he assembled them on the deck. He said I don't understand How you were ready? They said, well, sir, you told us you were coming back for us. And every time the water opened, we packed our tents and our gear and got it down on the shore. Then if the ice came together, we put up our tents and waited another while. And when you came with the long boats, we were already packed because you said you were coming back. I want you to tell you right now, Jesus is coming back. And have you got your gear packed? Have you got any unfinished business that needs to be taken care of? A telephone call, an apology, a prayer, a gift. God is so concerned because He wants you to cleanse your life, purify yourselves even as He is pure. And when you do that and you have clean hands, as James said, clean hands and a clean heart. God will take hold of you and use you to his glory such as you've never been used in your life you believe that I believe it with all my heart and soul I know God answers prayer I almost cancelled this meeting I told the pastor that when I left Mansfield I had the most terrific toothache I've ever had in my life I didn't sleep all of Thursday night and I said to my wife you know I don't know how I can keep on this is terrible and so I went to bed Friday and I said, Lord, I took a couple, a couple of aspirins without faith, without works is dead, you understand? And I said, Lord, I got a bee there in Milwaukee. Would you take care of that tooth? <laughs> I don't have a toothache. Amen. <laughs> That's the way the Lord did it. And I'm sure I know that God works in ways that you can't even begin to think. I trust that the Lord will bless your life. Don't forget that. If there's anything that needs to be cared for, do it. Do it. Let's stand for our closing moment. Dear Lord, thank you for these wonderful words. You've been so good to us to tell us about that change is going to take place in our lives. And here are some wonderful people who've got a burden for this church and for this area. Oh, God, thank you. And now we pray that you'll just touch their lives. We know that there are things sometimes we do and say that are not right. And you understand that because we're just made out of common clay. But as we come through this time, we pray that the Spirit of God may so impress us with the wonderful truth that we'll purify ourselves even as Jesus is pure. Blessed pastor and people. May the Spirit of God come down in wonderful ways. And in the days ahead, may the Spirit convict of many things and build the church, Lord. You said you'd build it, but you need, you want our help. So we thank Thee. Now before you open your eyes and you raise your heads, would you do something yourself? Would you just thank the Lord? If God has blessed you in some way today, Will you do that? See, we, we've got blessings coming over so many weeks. But today is the day. And if God has blessed you, just take a minute and say to him, thank you, Lord. I'm so glad that you love me. And I'm so glad you want to use me. Help me that I might be effective for thee. Thank you. Thank you. Let's take just a moment.